Hi, I'm Sergio. And I'm Alex. And I'm Alexi. And I'm Anum. And this is a special episode of the IPHO podcast. What is going on, podcast team? Here we go. Let's do it. We've brought together the the podcast Brain Trust here for a, a very special episode where we've merged our worlds, the Alex and Sergio episodes with the uh, Alexi episodes. And we've also got a very special guest with us. Um, Anum, can you tell our guests a little bit more about yourself and how you support the podcast? Um, so I am currently a pharmacy student at Shenandoah University in my P3 year. I work behind the scenes with the podcast, Alex, Alexi, and Sergio. So Anum, you know, volunteered to get involved as an intern for the show kind of at a random time in the year as we were developing the podcast. I think it might have been September or October of, of last year. Um, and you had raised your hand, um, not knowing really anything about what we were planning on doing. Um, and you've helped us kind of build the show along the way. So what else do you do in helping us promote the episodes? Uh, I will, I sometimes meet with the guest and see, gauge like what they're comfortable talking about. And then I'll schedule, make sure everyone's able to meet on the same day, um, come up with questions. Absolutely. So you've been helping us with um, guest preparation and guest scheduling, outlining episodes and helping us with Q&A and helping us do promotional uh, materials as well. So our episode descriptions and the emails that we send out. Uh, and frankly, we wouldn't be able to do this show without you. So we've uh, um, really are looking forward to having you on the show with us to give us the, uh, the student and intern perspective. Yeah, I think that I think that we were talking about it. What was the title we were working on? Executive producer. We part of having you on is we appreciate everything you do. You've been uh, a rock here for this podcast. And when you joined, you said that Sergio, she didn't know anything we were doing, and she knew about as much as as we did. We were we were figuring Pretty it much. out as we yeah. went, but uh, it, it seems to have have worked out. It's been a lot of fun, and we we just want you to know we appreciate everything you've done. Thank you guys for having me here. I had no idea this is how this is going to go. That's right. And speaking of folks that um, kind of stepped up in the middle of nowhere, um, right around the middle of the year or just before the middle of the year, we also had um, an incoming fellow reach out by the name of Alexi who said, hey, I've got an idea um, about how we can maybe expand the show. Um, and so can you maybe recount for our listeners, Alexi, how that all went down. What gave you the idea of jumping in and helping us start a companion series to the podcast? Yeah, sure. So that's a good question. I actually get asked this question a lot by students that reach out to me that are like, hey, I, I know you from, from the show and even fellowship interview candidates that we've had, they, they reach out and they're like, hey, I, I've heard you on the IPHO podcast. What, what made you do that? So um, I guess the background on that was when I accepted my position with UCB, um, because it's affiliated with, with IPHO, uh, I was reached out to by members of, of IPHO, different fellows, as well as uh, Jim Alexander, the CEO of IPHO. Um, and they kind of told me all the different roles that were available at IPHO and all the openings that would be available for me when I was entering my fellowship year. 
Um, and I was kind of debating on which of the positions that were available I wanted. Um, and I historically have always been one to kind of try to create a position for myself. Like if there's something that I find really interesting, um, and when I was looking at those available positions, there were a few that I was honestly really considering. And and then around that time, I discovered the IPHO podcast myself and I listened to, I think there were only like two or three episodes up at that point. So I listened to those episodes. I was like, wow, this is a really cool idea. And in general, I'm a huge podcast fan. So I just got the idea and I said, hey, you know, I emailed Jim just out of nowhere. I had spoken to him once or twice in the past, so he was familiar with me. I sent him an email and I said, um, hey, Jim, it's Alexi. I hope you remember me. Um, we spoke not too long ago. I see you have this podcast that's doing an episode a month. I'm a huge podcast fan. And all of the podcasts I listen to release episodes way more frequently than once a month. And as a fan of that show, I would like to see it be more frequent than once a month. So what do you think about letting me do episodes on my own. And if I release once a month and we stagger those episodes, it's basically doubling the the content of the podcast. Um, and he liked the idea, put me in contact with you guys. You guys seemed to like the idea and here we are. And it was, it was interesting timing too, because right before that, Sergio and I had each accepted new positions. So we had taken on additional responsibility and we're going, man, once a month is about the right cadence for us. So Alexi coming on and and you you brought on guests that were different and you filled a, a, a different topic, different niche than than we were doing. It was great. And speaking on, you know, the different topics and things that we've covered over the year, it's been quite a diversity of episodes. I mean, we started out the year with um, obviously Jim Alexander coming on the show and, you know, helping us uh, set the course for the episodes that were to come. And then we spoke with... Uh, James Rawls right after that, Gerald Finken, Ralu Vlad. Um, what do you guys think is the episode that stands out the most in your mind? What, what's a, if, if there is such a thing, I love them all, but what's your favorite episode? So I, I can I can go first. For me personally, my favorite episode, selfishly, is my first episode. Um, and not the one where I was the guest on your episode, but, but the first episode that I hosted on my own. And the reason for that is because I got to have a really, really close friend of mine on the show, Corey Rance. Um, so he's a worldwide medical affairs fellow right now. And it was great, A, to kind of get a chance to reconnect with him, um, but also to kind of share our stories and how we met and how we both went through the process together. And um, I've gotten a lot of good feedback about those types of episodes. So that was my favorite. Uh, Alexi, I'm sorry. I, I don't know if you were picking up what Sergio was putting down there, but he was asking which one of the episodes of mine and his was your favorite. No, no I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Praise my episodes. No, I'm just kidding. Well, all of them, no, all of them, obviously. No, no, no. Stop, stop, stop. No, that's, I didn't know that you went back so far. I, I, uh, I don't know if you talked about it on the episode. I, I listened to the episode, but it's really cool how things kind of play out. Um, I'll, I'll follow up since I'm talking anyway. Um, the my f I, One episode that I think about still, I, I really enjoyed all of our guests. Everyone brought something different, had a different journey. Someone who was, had a little bit of a different career path and was really interesting to me, Gerald Finken, who started... Uh, RxE2, his own company after selling his own clinical supply company, was his his innovative side really meshed with me. And I, I gravitate to that innovative speaker. When I was in business school, I would always go up to the 
guest lecturers who had started a business or done something different because I just wanted to see how their their brain worked. And it's so interesting because everyone has a different risk tolerance. Everyone has a different approach. And I always I, I always wanted to have that risk tolerance. And then once I started having kids and everything, that risk tolerance changed. But hearing him talk about how he moved across the country for his wife in her career and then started a business and sold it for, I think he said on the show, a, a ridiculous number. And then he started another company and it's all, it's all about that in, scratching that innovative itch. I think that one probably stands out as the most different against all of the other episodes that we've done. We've had, you know, folks that have had very successful careers in pharma, like, you know, executives and senior folks. We've had quite a few, quite a few fellows that have come on the show, but a serial entrepreneur like that, like Gerald, that one really, you know, stuck out for me as well. But Anna, what do you think? You, you've been listening to, you know, all of these episodes as they've navigated their way through post-production. Um, so you've seen them from, from start to finish and, and the edits and everything. Um, what do you think is your favorite? So the two that I can't decide between are Ralu Balad and Roly Das. I just feel like they're just so passionate. Both of those guest speakers, like I just can't, like I've actually gone back and listened to their episode probably more, more times than I need to. And I just, I just love how energetic they are when they talk about what they're passionate about. And that just really like motivates me to just like keep going for what I want to do. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I had such a blast recording with them too. Like it, it was actually tough to keep those conversations, you know, on, on the more, you know, consumable side of, of length, you know, 30 minutes to, to 40 minutes. We found that we just wanted to keep talking and talking with them. But I think my favorite episode looking back um, is probably one where, I sort of unexpectedly reconnected with a fellow uh, who was in the program at the same time as I was, um, Iram Hassan, one of our, our more recent episodes. Um, I, I, I mean, I've enjoyed things about all of our episodes. I, I love talking with But that's, not, that's not the question. The question no, is, are my most favorite. you choose here? Yeah, no, my, <laughs> I, I, like I said, my, the, the one with Iram, I think, is probably my most favorite, um, just because it was so great reconnecting with somebody I was in the fellowship program with at the same year. I feel a certain kinship, obviously, with all the folks that were in the fellowship at the same you know, time, around the same place. You know, the, the Rutgers Fellowship was smaller back then. Um, fellowships programs have expanded quite a bit, um, you know, which is great, great for the industry. Um, but it, uh, it gives me fond memories, you know, again, reconnecting with somebody who I haven't spoken with in, in quite some time. Um, so there you go. There you have it. Um, a great place to start. You've got everybody's favorite episodes right there over the past uh, few minutes. That's a look back against this year. Another look back is, what do you think the most interesting pharma story was from this past year? And I'll tell you, I took a look before the show at a list, I Googled um, top pharma stories of 2021. It looks like those articles have not yet hit the press um, for the ones that cover the full year, uh, because I did run into uh, a couple of articles that cover the first half of the year, top stories of the first half of 2021. And does anybody want to take a guess at- At a home. Yep, I was going to say the same thing. Adam, any guesses? Is it something related to vaccination efforts? Um, every single one on that list was a COVID-19 related story, um, you know, which 
kind of takes you back to where we were um, as a profession, as a community, as a as a planet. Um, you know, just a year ago, um, you know, we were in a place where um, the vaccinations and things had just been approved, um, or you know, were just becoming approved. Um, information was coming out really at at rapid fire, rapid fire pace. You know, I know a lot of the journals and publications that we work with um, in our day jobs have been just inundated with COVID-19 related research. And it feels like that has probably sucked up quite a lot of oxygen um, in the in the news realm um, over the first half of the year. But there's more than that that was going on this year, you know, beyond just the, the pandemic. You guys mentioned Adjuhelm. Um, what other stories, you know, do you really think stuck out for you guys? Honestly, everything I think back of is somehow related to COVID, um, and Adjuhelm is really the, the big one for me, and and all of all of the fallout that followed Adjuhelm too, right? Like all of those, um, you know, high profile individuals that left, like the FDA after that, like I, that was a pretty big deal. But um, that was also happening during COVID, so COVID really took the the gold medal this year, I would say. I mean, there's been opioid litigation. There's been obviously major, you know, movement on that front with, uh, you know, Purdue related litigation by state's attorney generals. There's a lot that's been going on, you know, but I, it feels like so much of, you know, everybody's bandwidth has been taken up by, by COVID-19 over the year. And, you know, if, if I have one hope for 2022, it's that um, I never hear COVID again. Yeah. I mean, I, I I'm hoping that, uh, you know, we get this pandemic fully under control and we can, you know, collectively turn our attention to other pressing issues that are that are facing this industry. I feel like COVID has been a blessing and a curse at the same time. I feel like it's really put pharmacy as a profession into like the limelight. Um, like everyone's depending on the pharmacist to like like enhance the vaccination efforts or to it just just when like the vaccine was still being made pharmaceutical companies were like j- basically competing to get their stuff out there um i feel like the profession as a whole has not been valued in in a while as much as it's being valued right now and so many people are taking such unique roles at this point there's so many virtual opportunities i think as a p1 I don't remember seeing as many summer internships as I do now as a P3. And there's like countless, endless, endless roles out there. So I feel like that's that's been a good thing. But the bad thing is like everything that COVID's done. Yeah, that's a really interesting take on it is that that perspective. So the, the internship thing, first of all, yeah, that's a really good point. The amount of pharmacy students that have been involved in the vaccination campaigns that have been going on for the last year and a half or so. Um, I myself, when I was a P4, I, I was on happy rotations and I was involved in, in those campaigns as well. Um, so yeah, and you know, the recognition that pharmacists are receiving as a result, I think, you know, yes, there is a plenty of bad that COVID has done for the profession of pharmacy, I, I do tend to kind of agree with you. I think it has put a lot of eyes on pharmacists and and the, the important role that they play in the community. Um, and then my perspective on COVID too, like I, I think another good thing that came out of it is the focus on, you know, changing and improving the way that we work and are used to working. So the ability, the 
the ability, people are now recognizing that people can work from home. They are able to work remotely. Teams have been working that way for like two years now. And a lot of people that I've interacted with at my job say, yeah, we really like it. And now companies are changing you know, permanently, or at least for the foreseeable future to hybrid work models, which um, I mean, I personally am a huge fan of. So yeah, there's been a lot of negatives, but I, I do think uh, there's been quite a few positives that have come out of it. I miss interacting with people. I miss solving problems on a whiteboard. I miss taking a break from that computer screen and, and just putting putting the screen down, moving away, grabbing a marker, hashing it out, taking a picture of it, going and filling it back out on a slide. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if you can stream someone in while four people are working on a whiteboard and one person is trying to look in through a camera. Well, if Mark Zuckerberg has his way, then we'll all be entering the metaverse and we'll be, you know, digitally commuting, I guess, to, to work or whatever that means. But I, I agree. I, you know, part of me longs for that office experience again, like being able to just take a quick, you know, five, 10 minute mental break, run to the coffee machine, make a coffee. I might run into two or three colleagues and chat and catch up about some stuff, you know, like might pop something into my head that I've been forgetting to ask them. Um, I, I miss, you know, those random hallway conversations. My random hallway conversations these days tend to be um, my toddler demanding something from me or, you know, he needs a diaper change or, you know, we need to warm up lunch or something like that. It has really blended um, home life and work life. And for somebody who really values a separation, you know, between work and home life or, you know, um, work life balance, it has been a real challenge over these past couple of years um, to keep those things as separate as I'd like them to be. So, so just a quick comment on that. So, you know, the fact that you both have, you know, young kids at home, uh, I recently got to reconnect with a, a mentor of mine at another company that when I was in pharmacy school, I met him when I was a P1 um, and he works. He was the first pharmacist that I ever met that worked in the pharmaceutical industry. He got me interested in it and he really helped me out a lot over the last four to five years. And I still keep in touch with him. And I talked to him a few weeks ago and he said something that I actually wrote down because I thought it was, it just, it just really stuck with me. So what he said was, we were talking about remote work and, and this exact topic. And he said, my daughter is 18 months old. I get to wake up every day and see her. I get to eat lunch with her every day and I get to watch my daughter grow up. It's amazing and I'm so lucky. So that is not something that he would have been able to do just three to four years ago, right? So yeah, I agree. You know, the conversations at work, um, but then what you just said, you run into your daughter in the hallway or, or you know, your, your little one in the hallway and they're demanding stuff from you. And I, I just think that is such a cool way to be able to live your life right and to be able to watch your kids grow up as opposed to missing all of that in their early years so i think that's something to look forward to yeah i have two and my older i barely got to see him i would get off the train drive home run take a step over the gate go up the stairs and you know sing a song for him as he went to bed um then my younger son doesn't really know it any other way i was only gone for a few months before covid hit uh, after paternity leave and then COVID hit and I've been home. Uh, so there are incredible positives, like you said. I also just got over uh, there, a, a cold ran through my house and I now I have a sinus infection from it. I, was, I thought I got out scot-free, but I can tell you, uh, I don't know what doing hard time is, but it may not be worse than being in a house with two kids who don't want to be there 
for for 10 straight days that that's just brutal it's just brutal yeah i mean you, you take the good with the bad i mean there, there yes. are parts of like we said you know being in the office that are great um being able to see your colleagues for these ad hoc chats and grabbing a coffee and like eating lunch in the cafeteria um you know going out to lunch you know randomly you know with your coworkers and things like that um you know i'm still getting lunch with coworkers, but we have to plan it um you know usually a couple of weeks in advance and you know hold the time on calendars and things like that so there's you lose a bit of that spontaneity um that comes with with being in the office but you know my, my commute to get into the office is you know about an hour and 45 door to door you know um so that's quite a bit of time to be commuting in and out of the office every day that takes away, you know, an ability to do certain things and working from home. Like we said, it's got, um, it's pros. You know, I, I love the fact that I've been able to be with my son, um, basically the entire time he's, you know, since he's been born, he was born just a couple of months before the pandemic started. Um, so he doesn't really know any other way other than having dad, you know, down, down the hallway. Um, but you know that that poses challenges too and I, I suspect that when we get into next year and as you know hopefully we're starting to see the um, the tail end of this pandemic um, that some sort of hybrid arrangement will finally rule the day i very rarely do i hear people um, that want it all or none i want to be back in the office 100 percent, or i want to be working from home 100 um, percent. and i think those companies that are the most wise um, will be those that um, find a happy medium there in the middle for their employees. And I've, I've heard from folks, you know, companies that are really strongly trying to encourage their, their folks to come back into the office, other companies that are taking a much more, you know, laissez-faire approach, but, um, it'll be really interesting to see how this evolves. I think over the, over the coming year. Yeah. I think that one thing that's for sure is that over the next, at least in the near term, in the next few years, it, it may be a significant differentiator and maybe that's how we can uh, start to recruit and retain talent. I agree. I mean, it, you know, for me, I, I don't know that I'd seriously consider an opportunity at a company that, you know, was looking for folks to be in, you know, four or five days a week. But what about um, other questions that we have for each other? It is rare for us to get all four of us together and have the opportunity to, to ask each other questions. Yeah, so um, I have two, actually. So uh, I have two questions. This is kind of more so for, for Sergio and Alex, and this is me taking my opportunity as a fellow and this, this rare chance that I get to actually meet up with you guys. So my first question is, what is one piece of advice that you wish you could have given yourself when you were starting your career as a fellow? Because that's basically where I'm at right now. It's funny because I, I've heard Sergio no less than a hundred times over the last you know, six years that we've worked together, uh, give a talk to incoming fellows about maintaining work-life balance. And I would always say when I was a fellow, I recognized that this was a, this is a marathon, not a sprint. I'm entering a career for the next 40 years, but there's also that pressure, whether it's from others or myself to perform and show that I can continuously perform and grow. And so it's learning the work-life balance. But I think that within that, if you dig a little deeper, the lesson is when is good, good enough? When is what you've produced good enough for what needs to be done? And which 
exercises, which work streams, which whatever you're working on, um, requires it to be that little bit better uh, versus good enough. And uh, and it's it's almost an experiential touch where you start to understand um, what is good enough and what good enough means and what's my good enough versus someone else's. But once you reach that good is good enough, uh, you also st- I also find that I'm a little bit easier on myself and and it impacts the work-life balance it impacts quality of life and it's taken me years to get there and i and i work on it still but it's it's something that uh has helped me and and it's it's been a learning along the years along the way i mean what you're describing is basically infusing your old self your fellow alex self with um the years of experience like that soft touch that comes with living through dozens and dozens of different initiatives and, you know, getting a feel for, you know, what constitutes, you know, adequate work, good work, outstanding work, you know, that comes with having seen, I think the full spectrum of, of work. And I, you know, my my answer to that question, you know, what's the one piece of advice I would give to myself as a fellow, like trying to get into my head back when I was a fellow, which would have been no easy task. Um, I feel like what I probably would have said was, um, to be even more cautious about um, company politics and things like that, it could be very easy and very tempting to get sucked into like office gossip and like rumors and like what's going on with this department, what's going on with that person. Um, you know, when you're there, you know, when you spend the amount of time at work and you know with coworkers that that we do, it can be you know very tempting to get involved in that. And I. You know, I, I've had my fair share of you know mistakes over my career, and, and looking back now, there were certain circumstances and situations that that I would have handled differently had I known the things that I know today. Um, you know, I would have approached diffusing things more effectively. Um, you know, seeking consensus. You know, more often um, these things that um, you know given some of the situations and circumstances that I've lived through, you know, over the past five, six, seven, nine, ten 10 years of my career. Um, you know, I, I, I think I would have been able to more effectively navigate, um, some of those really tricky circumstances, knowing what I know today. Um, so I don't know that I could, you know, summarize that in one piece of advice to my former self as a fellow, other than to say, like, be wary, think hard before embarking on any of these like company political, uh, you know, expeditions. But I have to say that in order to address the behaviors you're referring to, I almost feel like you have to live through it and mess up because you can't be perfect. And, and it's just understanding that making a mistake is okay. And every interview that you go to, they ask you about making mistakes and, you know, or, or try to get at it in different ways. How do you react to it? But it's it's learning a skill set to react to making a mistake, being willing to make that mistake. And and if your mistake costs you, uh, you know, a, a job, that's one thing. If it costs you a promotion, it's another. I'm going to modify mine because I think you've articulated it better. I, the advice I would give myself is um, learn from your mistakes. Um, you know, not that I didn't over time. But like, learn the right lessons from from those mistakes. Like, make sure that you really spend the time to be introspective um, after both your successes and your failures um, to catalyze that learning more rapidly. Uh, it'd be very easy to like, 
you know, shove aside, you know, a win or, you know, push to the side, a failure or something like that to compartmentalize it, but like to really sit and, and reflect on what you could have done differently or better or more effectively in a circumstance. Um, you know, I think that would have helped me, you know, five, seven, eight years ago. Yeah. Great. So, so learn from your mistakes, take time to reflect and, um, Alex, the way that I would summarize yours, you, so your response was actually very similar to something that I tell students that reach out to me when they're asking, how do I get a fellowship? Um, and my response is actually very similar to what you said. And it's, you know, you have to be very well prepared and you have to, you know, you have to do all the right things. And if you think back on your life and you guys too, just think about the last like 10 years, you can probably point out a couple key things that, that like, key turning points in your career or in your life. And usually the way I explain that is like all of your experiences are like one big snowball and everything builds up and builds up and builds up. But really, if you think about like for me, when I think about it, there's only a few key points where I had to really strive to be exceptional and to stand out, right? There's only a couple key moments that you go through, whether it's an interview or a presentation or a personal thing, like if you can be exceptional during those few times when they come up and you're prepared, you have to be prepared to be exceptional. But if you can do that during those key times, during the rest of the times, you really just have to be good with, you know, good enough. No one is good enough. So that's kind of the way that I interpret that response. Here's here's the challenge. And I, I, I agree. It's like being exceptional at the right moment in your career uh, can make all the difference. But knowing when those times are going to come, like knowing when those knowing you know, when to flip that switch, right? knowing when to flip the switch. And sometimes you don't know. Sometimes you don't know until you look back on it and you say, yeah, that actually really impacted my life more than I knew at the time. Which in my mind means, you know, you really have to strive to be excellent all the time. Um, now, everybody- Until you it. get that judgment. Sorry, until you get that sense of judgment. But again, I think that the one thing you can't replicate is experience. And and it's hard, uh, you know, I'm a young professional as well, uh, to, uh, to recognize that. But there's a lot of times where until you get that experience, until you live through that company politic where you may have said or done the wrong thing and then reflected and learned and went, you know, that was I, I needed to live through that to get to that next point until you, um, you know, burn yourself out because you didn't know what was the right thing to be ex- what you really, truly needed to be excellent in. It, it takes time and it takes experience and it takes learning through others. But part of this podcast is trying to provide listeners with our, our experiences and, and really not our experiences, but more, more exceptional individuals than ourselves so that they can learn through others and then hopefully incorporate into their, their own behaviors, their own actions, and then do better than we all have. Well said. Great. Anum, what's been on your mind? What have you been wanting to, to ask us that you haven't had a chance to ask us this year? Um, so for me, this podcast, podcast has been a way of like letting out some creativity like I've never really had the chance to design logos or um, like let my creative side take over for a bit and it's not all it's like it's fun being here and participating in the podcast what's been the most fun part for you during this whole section this whole whole year the most fun I'm gonna let you guys go first on this one I need to think about this so, so just to clarify, are you talking about the most fun regarding this podcast? Yes. So I would say for me, the most 
fun thing about the podcast and you know I started pretty recently but the the most fun thing for me was that the podcast kind of has given me an excuse to reach out to people that I want to meet and I want to have a conversation with so it gives me a reason to reach out to fellows at other companies you know I've had a couple of my friends on that are fellows but I've had other fellows on that I've never met before never spoken to but I reach out to them and I'm like hey I'm Alexia it gives me a reason to introduce myself and a reason to say hey would you be willing to come on the show and have this conversation this is what I hope to get out of it and it's it just helps me build my network and helps me make friends and you know you never know when those connections will will help moving forward I would echo some of that the the reaching out part I actually do outside of this podcast um, but I enjoy all the conversations. The one thing I miss the most from remote work is the spontaneous conversation, learning from others, seeing through others' eyes. And for me, it doesn't have to be work-related, but often it is when you're at work. I like to learn about interesting hobbies and uh, different ways people live their lives. And when I when I pick up a new book, oftentimes I'm trying to learn through through someone else's experiences. So when I have these conversations, um, and, and a lot of these people are kind of who I want to be as I continue through my career. So it's great to see, for me, how they got there and to have an interesting, enjoyable, and for, for the uh, environment we create, relaxed, we're remote, we can sit in our in our at our desk and just have a relaxed conversation about something we want to talk about. I mean, I, I've been giving some real thought to this. Like, what is the most fun that I've had over the past year working on the podcast? I I don't know that there's one moment that sticks out more than more than others, but to me, you know, it, it started with the, the enjoyment of realizing a vision that we had, you know, for, you know, about a year and a half or two years ago now, um, to actually do a podcast, um, to, to have gone through the work that it took to, um, to get it to where it is today and to be able to push like publish on an episode. There's a tiny little like dopamine hit every time I hit publish on an episode and like send it out into the ether for folks to listen to and like hoping that that folks appreciate the work product. I, I get a lot of joy out of that. And, it's just been a lot of fun, you know, and it's, and it's happened like, I think on almost every episode that we've had, um, most guests come on the show, um, with a certain amount of apprehension about this process. Cause m- most folks that we interview have never done a podcast before. We've had a small number who, who have, um, but for most folks, this is a new experience. Um, uh, and it can be sort of odd. We use a, a different recording platform. Um, there's a certain sense of formality when you first get on the show. So the thing that I find the most fun is like warming up a guest and getting them into, um, the zone where we're just talking and we're just having a really interesting conversation. Um, I, I find that to be, you know, really fun, really enjoyable. Once we break down that initial barrier of like, Oh, you're hitting the record button. And like, you know, what, what am I supposed to say? Um, when it just becomes an organic conversation is, um, really, really fun for me. Cause then we're just talking, <laughs> you know, and, and our, we hope that the final product is, is good. We, we believe it is. And, um, we actually would like to find out what you guys think about, um, the show. And by you guys, I mean, um, our listeners, um, we've been thinking and talking about doing a survey, um, to get your thoughts. Um, and I just want to say, um, when you see it in your inboxes and in the show description for this episode, 
please do it. Um, we really want to hear um, what it is that you'd like to see us do for the show over the coming year, um, because we want to make it fun for, for everybody. Um, we have fun recording these, um, but we want to make sure that everybody's having a good time engaging with this content. I actually want to go back a minute and, and talk about something that Anam said, how this has been a nice creative outlet. You've been, it, when you're in the sciences, you don't always get to have the creativity. And when I went to business school, something I really enjoyed. So as I hear you say this, I, it was something that, I, and when I said creative, creativity is expressed in a number of ways. If you give me uh, markers and a sheet of paper and I need, and you say, hey, recreate this image, I'm going to put the marker down because it's not going to look anything like what I want it to. And I'm not going to enjoy a single second of it. That is not how I express my creativity. If creativity is something you enjoy, that's not always needed. You don't always need to express it. And ever again, everyone expresses it differently, but you don't always need to express it in the arts. Uh, some of that can be uh, really enjoyable. Some of it can be really rewarding finding a way to creative problem solve and other ways to create express that creativity. Yeah. Creativity is multidimensional, you know, and I, you know, there's folks who, like you said, are very visually creative and we've seen some really cool, you know, graphics and logos that we've made for the show. But um, I've also seen people take really creative approaches to designing a clinical study, um, really creative approaches to um, constructing a briefing document for an FDA meeting. Um, you know, if you're passionate about what you do um, and you've got that creative spark, um, it can really help your work stand out um, because typically what we're looking for is not more of the same in the industry. If we're you know, going to develop new medicines, new therapies, new agents, you know, it's going to require new approaches, innovative approaches. You know, we spent a lot of time over the last year talking about AI and machine learning. Um, it's going to take creativity across a number of those dimensions. And, you know, maybe that's one of the things that I'm most looking forward to as we get into next year is seeing these new expressions of creativity, whether it's for this podcast or, you know, elsewhere in pharma. I think those are going to make some really impactful stories as we get into 2022. But what are you guys looking forward to either with the show or otherwise in 2022? I enjoyed how unique every guest was, and I just can't wait to see what other unique unique guests we get in the coming year like you at some point i think like oh my god we've covered every type of position in industry but then again my knowledge and in, of industry is very limited uh, right now so every time i get a new there's like a new guest on the show i'm like oh my god this is such a cool job how like how do i get that how do i get there so every time like it's like you think you know what you want to do and then you hear the next guest and it's like oh there's that yeah i mean for me i would say what i'm most excited for in terms of the podcast is honestly just more of the same like like you said i started halfway through the year and i feel like i finally kind of hit a routine in terms of i mean there's a lot of work that goes into it besides just clicking the record button and having a conversation is having to think of okay what what conversations have i had what what is another topic i want to cover okay who would be a good person to have on that topic and you know find someone reach out to that person schedule a time get together like you said get them comfortable every guest i've had on is so nervous to be on the podcast right and 
Um, it's, it's a fun process to go through, but it's a lot of work. And I feel like I finally have a, a, my own personal system down that I, that I use and that has become efficient. So I'm excited to just kind of continue with that routine and, and get to meet as many more people as I can. So the thing that I'm most looking for, the things that I'm most looking for as we get ahead into 2022, um, Definitely the diversity of the guests that we're going to have on. I'm, I'm really excited about what we have planned as we get into early next year. Um, you know, getting back to some really core topics and, you know, issues that we wanted to be talking about on the show. So I'm, I'm excited to dive into that and explore those, you know, more deeply with some really interesting and impactful guests. Um, I'm also interested and really excited about the, the prospect of doing some new and different things with the show. Um, because we've seen success over the past year, we have um, sponsors who are now approaching us. And, you know, many of our listeners will notice that we had sponsored content for the last run of episodes here um, at the end of the year related to um, mid-year recruiting, fellowship recruiting in the annual meeting. And, you know, based on that success that we've seen, um, we've had sponsors approaching us to do some some unique and different things as we head into to 2022 with some um, some customized episodes, um, doing some things that are a little bit different. So I don't know exactly what that's going to look like yet because we're, we're having ongoing discussions with sponsors on that front, but I'm really excited to see where that goes um, because I think it'll be a new expression of our, our creativity as a podcast. But what's going to be you know, critical for us as we move into next year. And, you know, the other thing that I'm looking forward to is, you know, hearing more from our listeners more directly about what they want on the show. And, you know, the survey will be critical for that. So please, again, um, please access the, the survey in the show description to let us know how we're doing. Well, look, um, I, I've had a blast doing this. Um, I, I've had this penciled in on my calendar for a while um, to get the whole crew here together, um, working on the podcast and, and doing a, a bit of a special episode for our listeners. We've covered, I think, a lot of ground over what we've liked from this past year, uh, what we're looking forward to, some of our favorite episodes, um, really kind of a different episode, I think. So I, I hope listeners have found this enjoyable. Um, I would be remiss if I didn't take the opportunity to thank everyone else who's not on recording with us right now, who's been integral to the success of the show. Um, obviously, Jim Alexander for for giving us the go ahead and allowing us to do this. Um, he hasn't canceled us yet. He has not canceled us yet, which is absolutely incredible. Um, you know, Dan, our, our audio editor who helps us put these episodes together and make them sound somewhat professional. Um, he does God's work uh, and we're eternally grateful for that. Um, Melissa, um, marketing and branding guru and all around, you know, strategic genius who helps us put together, um, you know, campaigns for the program and episode descriptions and show descriptions and email campaigns. Um, it would not look as professional as it does um, without the hard work of, of Melissa on the team. Uh, Deborah um, doing really excellent work, helping us on the sponsor side of things and helping make sure that our annual meeting offerings and, and sponsor packages um, are, are meeting our standards and, and the needs of our sponsors. So um, there's a, a big team behind the scenes here that are working really hard to keep these episodes coming. Uh, and I just want to say on behalf of the whole podcast team, uh, a very warm thanks to, uh, to all of them and a happy, healthy holiday season and, and new year as we get into 2022.